Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know what time it is and you know where you are. If you don't know where you are, this is the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And my name is Tyler Sheff and I am your host. And this week, guys, we're going to talk about what's the U.S. debt limit. If you watch the news, if you, you can do anything with your phone, somewhere you've probably seen the words debt limit. And what's it mean to you is the topic of this episode. I'm going to give you a brief tutorial for those of you that don't study this stuff every day. And if you don't, I certainly don't blame you. It gets kind of crazy and out of control, but I do pay attention to this stuff. I am pretty up to speed on it. I think I'm no economist, but I do read a lot about it and I, th- and I have a general understanding of it. And I thought I would take today to number one, explain kind of what the heck they're talking about when they talk about debt limit. And more importantly, What does it boil down to? What does it mean to you? How does it impact you? Does it impact you? Should you pay attention? Shouldn't you pay attention? And really, when all this economic insecurity is about in the news and whatnot, what do you do, right? You don't know whose advice to take. Uh, You never take investment advice, frankly, from anybody. I, I know there's such a thing called financial planners. And frankly, I know a lot of you financial planners listen to this show. And I'm gonna tell you flat out, do your own independent research. Don't take somebody else's advice on what's a good investment, not a good investment. doesn't matter what Tyler thinks about what's a good investment and not a good investment, because what might be a good investment for me is not necessarily a good investment for you and vice versa, right? Because we all have different criteria that'll either make sense to us or not make sense for, to us. And, and then a lot of that has to do with our goals. So when you see people say, well, you should do this, specific investment because it's what's best for you and they don't know anything about you. Well, that's bad advice is what that is. And a lot of the folks that are their profits of, uh, or, you know, the champions of a particular thing, whether it be hell, it could be real estate. Uh, it could be Bitcoin. I, a lot of the Bitcoin people, they're, they're like freaky deaky about it. They're like, if you don't do Bitcoin, you're an idiot. Uh, I disagree. Because Bitcoin is not for everybody, just like rental properties are not for everybody. Flipping houses is not for everybody. Buying gold and silver or precious metals is not for everybody. And the stock market sure as hell isn't for everybody. So what about this whole debt limit thing, right? Lots of people talking about it. Does it matter to us? Should we even pay attention? Well, I'm going to say it depends. Should you pay attention? I'm not going to go ahead and say that you should. And here's why. There is so much misinformation out there. There is so much bad information out there. So many people jumping on to the latest news cycle using the keywords, the breaking news, debt limit, da, 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 Janet Yellen said, and all this other stuff. And really, it's it's a distraction, guys, is what this is right out of the gate. It's a huge distraction. So fine if you want to pay attention to it, but try your best to not let it distract you because it'll swallow you whole if you let it. I'm going to read to you from uh, treasury.gov, right? So we'll go right to the right to the liar's mouth, I mean the source, and uh, we'll get it straight from them. So treasury.gov, that's treasury.gov, that's the U.S. government, uh, U.S. Department of Treasury website. And there's lots of good information on there, lots of BS on there, but, you know, we sift through it and you decide for yourself what makes sense and what doesn't, what's accurate and what might be uh, inflated or estimated or guessed or just a flat-out lie. Um, Regardless, there's information there that, if this stuff interests you, you probably should spend some time looking at and figuring out. I'm going to read to you when it talks about uh, the debt limit, okay, at the Department of Treasury. Right on the, if you look, go to the homepage and you click on the tab at the top, it says policy issues. Boy, 
they say in that tongue-in-cheek policy issues, the first thing you can get to is the debt limit and a little explanation of it. I'm going to read it to you. It says the debt limit is the total amount that the U.S. Uh, United States government is authorized to borrow to meet its existing obligations, including Social Security, Medicare benefits, military salaries, interest on the national debt, tax refunds, and other payments. The debt limit does not authorize new spending commitments. It simply allows the government to finance existing legal obligations that Congresses and presidents of both parties have made in the past. Okay, So commitments that your politicians, whether they be the president or otherwise, have made in the past are constantly getting financed, essentially, by the the treasury and or by the government really, but think of it like a credit card. Okay. Like you got your visa, MasterCard, whatever. And whoever your credit card company is, I don't know. Capital one, capital one says, Hey Jimmy, you got a $20,000 credit limit and you know, you get to $19,999 and you're out to dinner with your lady and you're thinking, should I order that bottle of crystal? And then you think to yourself, I should probably check my account balance because if I swipe this card and it don't work, I'm going to look like a fool. And that's really what's going on with the U.S. government is they're at the top of their credit limit. Uh, Capital One's getting ready to shut down their card and say, no, no, no more guessing for you guys. You got to start paying off some of this debt. Um, They'll get shut down, which obviously won't work very well for them because then they won't be able to take on more debt. Just like the Capital One experience, if you're sitting there at the restaurant and then next week the bill comes in and you just kind of say, nah, catch up with it later. Capital One's going to shut you off completely. And then they're going to tattletale on you and they're going to tell TransUnion and Experian. And then your credit rating is going to suffer. And when your credit rating suffers, nobody else is really excited about loaning money to you, except for the sharks that are going to charge you a fortune to loan money to you. But otherwise, nobody else really wants to loan you money anymore. So it's it can tend to make life expensive. Those of you listening to the show, uh, if you've ever had bad credit, if you have bad credit now, you can probably testify to this that yeah oh man it's expensive having bad credit i know firsthand i had bad credit for many years because i was an idiot with money finally i grew up and i put on my big boy pants and i decided to start uh thinking about money like like an adult like a grown-up and i stopped uh, listening to my indulgences and just buying every damn thing i wanted as long as my credit card worked i grew i grew up and I, i moved past that and when i did my life got better and i'll also say my life got a hell of a lot cheaper it's really expensive, guys and girls, to have lousy credit. It's expensive. They charge you more for everything. And these days, heck, half the time you can't even rent an apartment if you're in a metro area unless you have good credit. Your car insurance will be more money if you have bad credit. You may not be able to qualify for car insurance if you have bad credit. Fact. They may require you to prepay it if you have bad credit. And that's no fun because the reason when you have bad credit, that generally tells you that you're probably having some issues and you're either at or close to poverty um, and maybe you're living way above your means. So you don't have the money to front extra money to pay cash in advance for insurance. Well, I got news for you. Suck it up, buttercup. I guess you got to either go with insu- without insurance or ride the bus. That's the reality of life. But when you're the U S government, you don't have to play by those rules. You get to live by a second set of rules uh, and completely. Okay. Now, Guys, if you ran your financial life the way the government runs theirs in regards to the debt limit, nobody on the planet's going to give you more credit. They're going to say, hell no. Why? Well, because there's such a thing as a, what they call a debt-to-income ratio. When you go apply for a mortgage or you apply for a credit card, one of the things that the 
bank or lending institution is going to look at is how much debt you have as compared to how much income you have. Okay. And that means that if you've got too much debt relative to the income you have coming in to pay it off, well, they're going to shut you off. They're not going to give you a line of credit because you can't prove that you can pay it off. Right. It's like renting an apartment and more and more landlords these days, at least the smart ones, landlords pay attention. You should be asking, you should be number one, verifying their, their income. And my policy is you have to bring home after taxes three times the rent. So in this case, for example, I just rented a place here in Key West, $2,900 a month, guys. Wow. Yeah, it's nice, but <laughs> a little bit of sticker shock. So three grand a month, let's call it three grand a month. I had to prove to the landlord and that and the property manager that I make more than $9,000 a month net after taxes. So I had to provide tax returns and bank statements and whatnot to show that I make more than $9,000 a month combined income between my wife and I. And neither one of us work, so I had to show our, our corporate tax returns and, of course, our personal bank accounts to show that we, in fact, have the money and can afford the rent. That tells me I got a good landlord that's fiscally responsible. But when it comes to the government, they don't necessarily do things that way. Uh, as of this recording, the U.S. government's, and this is important, so pay, this is real important, so listen to this. The U.S. government's total debt, and I got this, guys, in case you're wondering my source, there's an app called the U.S. Debt Clock. Uh, you can download it on your phone if you got Android or iOS. It's called the U.S. Debt Clock, and I use it a lot, actually. I'm surprising how much I use it, but it's free, and you can keep an eye on the U.S. debt, which when you look it up, it's like mind-blowing how fast the debt racks up. It's actually live. It's in real time, so it's like rolling at, at you know 75 miles an hour. But as of the time of this recording, and I just pulled this uh, these notes together here just a few minutes ago, uh, the total U.S. government debt is listed at $28.4 trillion. That's trillion, guys, with a T. $28.4 trillion. I don't know about y'all, but I don't have that many fingers and toes to count that high. So let's break it down on a number that we can understand. It goes on to say, that that really boils down to $86,000 in government debt per citizen. So for every U.S. citizen, now we're not counting the, the illegals or the unlawfuls or the undocumented or whatever the buzzword of the week is that the, that the, the folks makes them happy, but $86,000 for every person that is a U.S. citizen, okay? $86,000 in government. The government has $86,000 of debt for every U.S. citizen. That's and there's the funny part, two hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars per taxpayer. I can say that again: eighty-six thousand per citizen, two hundred and twenty-eight per taxpayer. And you're probably thinking, why would there be a difference in that number? Well, that just goes to show you how many people aren't paying taxes. And guys, I got news for you: it's not the rich. Okay, it's not the rich. It's the people because think about the numbers. It's called simple math. It's not that. Uh, Jeff Bezos didn't pay enough tax. Therefore, that number is 228. No, because it's a per taxpayer number, which means there needs to be a lot of them, right? So $228,000 per taxpayer with a tax income per payer, per taxpayer of $15,000. I'm going to back that up one more time. Make case you missed it. $228,000 per taxpayer as compared to an income that's the debt the government has. The government has $289,000, $289,000 in debt. 
and the income they receive from taxes is $15,000 <laughs> to offset $228,000. And did you notice a little difference there in those numbers? So imagine, let's just put this into real world terms. Let's say you wanted to go out and buy a $228,000 house. Okay. And let's say you toddle on into your local mortgage banker or your broker or whatever. And you say, Hey, I'm here to buy a house. Good news. I make $15,959 a year. The lender's going to be like, sir, please get off the chair. Please leave my office. You disgusting dirtbag. You don't have enough money in your, you don't earn enough to pay those taxes. Now, that said, guys, I'm not an advocate of raising taxes. I don't want the taxes to be raised because I know they're going to piss the money away on stupid, stupid stuff anyway. But you can see how much of a deficit there is there. Okay. There's a major imbalance. No person on this planet with a, with earnings of $15,900 could ever borrow $228,000 except for the U.S. government. Amen. America. That's how they do it in this country. That is, man, they need to, they need Dave Ramsey to be president. That's what they need. Let's get Dave Ramsey elected as president. That'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? You know, he'd take the government's credit card away and, and uh, uh, Pelosi and all the other uh, knuckleheads there in Washington would have a heart attack. So that means that the government owes $213,000 per taxpayer more than what it earns per taxpayer. That's how much they're upside down, guys. And what that just got asked to do, well, pretty much forced to do by the, the Fed chairman, by Janet Yellen, and by the president, is they said, hey, you got to raise the debt limit. you got to give us more credit. That's like going to the bank in that same example, guys, and saying, hey, good news, Jimmy here again. I still make 15900 but I decided that I don't like this $228,000 house. I want to get me a $500,000 house because that'll make me feel prettier. So I need $500,000 now. And of course, what do we do? We give it to them because that's what we do, America, right? That's what we do. Guys, there's, <laughs> you can't, oh, you can't make this stuff up, guys. You just can't make, this is, I wish this was not fact. I wish that I was lying to you. Maybe the numbers are wrong. Who knows? But I'm not lying to you. These are the actual numbers. You can go on treasury.gov, verify it yourself. Uh, it's not rocket science to find this information. <laughs> This you'll find interesting at current, and don't worry, there's a reason I'm telling you all this. The current official, quote in quote marks, official amount of unemployed people in the U.S., and this is according to the Department of Treasury, is 8.4 million. That's 8.4 million people that are unemployed. So guess what those 8.4 million people are not doing? Well, they're not paying taxes, boys and girls, because they don't have income to be taxed. So they're not paying tax. So while you're bitching about Jeff Bezos not paying enough tax or his fair share, 8.4 lazy people sitting on the couch doing nothing, not earning a taxable income, and therefore not contributing to the tax bill. Therefore, you and I get to pick up their slack. Oh, just love it. Isn't that awesome? And, here, and it goes on in the next stat, the Treasury website does, to say that the actual number of unemployed people is really 14.2 million people that are unemployed. And the difference guys is the people that have quit looking. Well, I got news for you. I think they have all, most of them have quit looking because good God, there's a labor shortage everywhere in the country, every state, every city, every town, 
Every port, every airport, every everything needs work. The city of Key West in the government itself, the government agency of the city of Key West is down 200 people. Uh, race fans, we've only got 26,000 people in the city of Key West. 200 jobs are open within the city of Key West. That's ridiculous. There's over 2,000 jobs here in Key West that are open right now across the island on a population of 26,000. That means 10% of the population sitting on their ass drinking mojitos. Mind-blowing. So what goes, what's also interesting here is that 29 million, 29 million Americans are living in poverty. And their definition of poverty, if you're a single person by yourself and you don't have no kidlets running around, if you, make, if you bring home less than $217 a week in net income, you're considered poverty level which means the people that were collecting unemployment. And if you're in Florida, I think the amount was 250. The last time I looked it up, uh, 250 a week was your unemployment amount minus taxes. So that amount, if you're collecting unemployment, that is taxable income and they're going to take taxes out of that. They'll either do it now or do it later. Those people are all in the poverty level, below the poverty level. So they're, if they are paying tax kids, they're not paying much. Okay. They're not paying much, not at all. Because there's not much money to tax them on. And understand this, when it comes to taxes, taxes are based on percentages, okay? So a guy that makes, in theory, and in, in an execution, you guys can go on the IRS all by yourself, you're grown-ups, and do the math yourself. If somebody is required to pay 15% tax, let me ask you this. Does the person making $30,000 a year paying 15% tax make pay more or less than the billionaire Who's also required to pay 15 million, uh, 15% tax? The answer is, for those that aren't paying attention, the rich guy pays a lot more tax. Here's the big difference, though. Here's the gotcha, the wait, 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 but, right? The yabbits. Here's the yabbit. Yeah, but there's a law that says that if the rich guy takes some of his money and does what the government tells him to do, or she does what the government tells her to do, or they, then they don't have to pay tax on that amount of money that they do what the government says they have to do. So what do rich people do? They play by the rules and they do what the government says to do what they want them to invest in. Currently, uh, actually before the Biden administration came in with, with the, the Trump and the uh, Obama, well, Trump administration, it was, if you invest in real estate, oil and gas, there were, tax favored advantages and prior and now under the Biden administration, they're going to the green energy is going to be their thing, right? So they're going to come out with tax savings. If as an American, you invest money into the green energy sector, they're going to respond in kind by reducing your tax liability, not necessarily your taxes, but your tax liability. So keep all this in mind because it matters. Okay. Now, right on. Oh, and the other thing I should tell you, just before we, we summarize this, those of you, a lot of you maybe have not heard the term GDP. Maybe you have, and you know, for those of you who haven't, it stands for gross domestic product. And really it's a number that represents what we produce as a country. Okay. What we make and the ratio of debt to gross domestic product in the year 2000. So 21 years ago was 56%. Okay. So that means our debt was 56% of our gross domestic product. Not ideal. It should be a lower number. But, you know, it is what it is, 56%. As of 2021, 
it's 125%, which means we have 125% more debt than we do goods produced, which means we're not, all we're doing is buying and financing. We're not making anything. That means we're probably buying all of our crap overseas. Hello, China. It's exactly what's happened, right? So I'll read you this little blurb that's on the U.S. Treasury website, and it goes on to say, and this really sums it up, failing to increase the debt limit would have catastrophic economic consequences. It would cause the government to default on its legal obligations, an unprecedented event in American history. That would precipitate another financial crisis, threaten the jobs and savings of everyday Americans. Well, we already have that problem putting the United States right back in a deep, deep economic hole. I don't know about y'all, but the, what we just talked about pretty much lays it out that we're already in a deep economic hole. Is there, it's a bottomless pit. And then it goes on to say, just as the country is recovering from the recent recession. Think about that for a second. Sounds like a little bit of smoke and mirrors, doesn't it? Congress goes on to say Congress has also or has always acted when called upon to raise the debt limit. Since 1960, Congress has acted 78 separate times to permanently raise, temporarily extend, or revise the definition of the debt limit, which means we went to the banker and said, yeah, we don't like that number. We want to call it something different. We're going to come up with a new sexy term. And we're going to keep writing ourselves more checks. We're going to call Capital One and say, nah, we want more money. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Watch this. So 49 times under Republican presidents and 29 times under Democratic presidents, congressional leaders in both parties have recognized that this is necessary. How about that? And before you guys get all in a tussle about Republican and Democrat, understand this. What they're really saying is that 49 times Republicans had to deal with the mess and 29 times Democrats had to deal with the mess. I'm not going to take the time because the answer doesn't matter to me to do the research of what that really means. It could mean that maybe the Democrats had to clean up for the Republicans. It could mean vice versa. It probably means both because they're both train wrecks, in my opinion. They're both complete clusters. Uh, so that line doesn't even matter. They probably put that in there to be a little divisive because, you know, that's what they do these days. But Come on, guys, right? So understand this. Where am I going with all this? What does this matter? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. The U.S. dollar will absolutely crash. And by the way, guys, when the when a currency crashes, it doesn't come back. It's going to be dead. It's not going to exist. The, the, the green stuff that's in your wallet right now, in your purse, won't matter. If you remember in school, you're learning about the Confederate War. And during the Confederate War, the Confederate States of America, which is all the places in the South, you know, I think it was like Virginia South, right? South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia. Those were considered the Confederate States. I think Louisiana, Mississippi, and whatnot. They decided to come out with their own currency. Okay? Not money, currency. They come out with their own currency. So they got out their printing press, and they came up with some pretty pictures, and they commissioned artists to, you know, put... Uh, people on horses and have them looking all cool and sexy and uh, make their beards longer and, you know, to do their artist rendering to knock 20 pounds and the beer gut off. Uh, and they put them on a, on a, on the money, right? Or not on the money, I should say, but on the currency. And then everybody in the South ran around using this Confederate currency. That was all cool until the Confederates lost the war. And when the union came in and whooped their ass, the Confederate dollars 
didn't mean bubkis, which means there are still Confederate dollars rolling around today. You don't believe me? Go on eBay and type in Confederate money, and you'll find that you can buy a Confederate $100 bill for a dollar, maybe five bucks on eBay as a collectible. It has no intrinsic value. If you take it to the bank, they will look at you like you're high. You can't do anything with it, but frame it and put it on your wall. It's not considered currency anymore. It's defunct. It's certainly not money. You should know that the crap that's in your wallet right now is no different. It's just that the belief system currently around the world is that we are the reserve world currency. Okay, that all financial transactions are based on the U.S. dollar. Oil and, and gas and international trade is based on the U.S. dollar. Well, I got news for you. In the 19, early 1970s, President Nixon took us off the gold standard. See, before it didn't matter because they, all this craziness wasn't as bad. And, of course, the U.S. dollar was backed by gold, which means that the U.S. government claimed that it had enough gold to account for every dollar that was in, in existence. Well, they decided that if they kept that policy, they wouldn't be able to just make money out of thin air. They wouldn't be able to turn on the printing press and print whatever they want. So the Nixon decided to pull the U.S. off the gold standard. And then the dollar became backed by, I can't even say this with a straight face, the full faith and <laughs> I can't get it out. Basically, the full faith in the U.S. government. <laughs> That's funny. but <laughs> And guys, I'm a veteran, and I'm about as patriotic as you could possibly get. And just, I can't say it without laughing. But yeah, it was backed on nothing. It's like, hey, well, freaking Tyler says it's worth money, so hippie skippy, let's make it happen. Right? That was it. So, <laughs> old Tricky Dick said, eh, this is fine. No, no big deal. So, this is the first time this has happened, kids. The Zimbabwe. Guatemala, Greece, all these countries, their currency tanked and virtually doesn't exist anymore. Um, there are countries they in recent, currently, right now, it's happening right now. You're not seeing it in the news because they don't want you to see that stuff and definitely don't want you to know that it's we're doing the same damn thing here, that they just decided to run the prices, run the value. They say the president steps up and says, the money's now worth this. And everybody's like, oh, master, you know, oh, master, yes, I agree. Yes, it's worth this. And Next thing you know, they're down at the store buying something based on this guest value. Well, we all know that's BS. Yet we do it every day. We continue to do it every day. So know this. If you're sitting in a bank account full of cash, U.S. dollars, and one day you wake up and suddenly the U.S. is no, the US dollar is no longer the reserve currency, your dollars are not going to be worth anything because you'll go to the gas station and you'll swipe your debit card and it'll say, no, thank you. Because it's denominated in U.S. dollars. We'll convert it to Chinese yuans or yens for you. And you're going to have to convert your currency to yens. But your currency is worthless. So if you got 10 grand, 50 grand sitting in your bank account, you could stroll into Bank of America with 50 grand cash and go, yeah, man, give me some of that Chinese money since I guess their currency is now the world reserve currency. They're going to say, okay, uh, what you got to in trade? Well, I got these here $50,000 U.S. bills. Oh, well, we can give you enough money to cover lunch, and you're going to look and go, no, nah, come on, where's the camera? This is a joke. Guys, look it up. Okay, This isn't rocket science. This is, this is fact. This is what's going on. This is not conspiracy theory, not BS. It's already happened in history many times. It's actually happening in other countries right now. 
How do you avoid this? How do you protect yourself? Well, for starters, if you've got real cash, you need to turn the cash into something else that produces cash flow and can hedge against this crazy inflation. What do I mean? I mean, buy a rental property, okay? Invest in a fund, my fund if you want to. Who, it doesn't matter. You can invest in a syndication. You can, you can buy a small business. And you think, well, if I buy a small business, if I take my $50,000 and I buy a rental house or I buy my small business and the Chinese dollar or whatever it is becomes the U.S. reserve currency, then I'm still screwed because my tenant's going to pay me in dollars. No, they're going to pay you on the currency that you accept. You could go buy a house tomorrow and say, I will only accept rent in silver eagles, silver uh, eagle coins or gold eagle coins, depending on where your rental is. And their job every month is to come bring you one of those gold eagles. And right now, guys, those gold eagles are selling for $1,900 online. So if your rent is $1,900, they, they, I would take one of those and trade if my rent was $1,900. You give me the gold eagle. And then I'm going to hang on to the gold eagle because the gold eagle is going to be worth more money later. Now, the day after tomorrow, it might be worth $1,800. Not that, not that little, but maybe $1,890. And then next week, it'll be worth 1905 But the good news is, is that over time, it's going to outpace the cost of inflation, which means if it costs more for lumber and things like that, that I need to maintain your rental property, that, that gold, which is currency, that's money, that's real money. Robert Kiyosaki calls it God's money, not to get religious, but God's money, that money actually grows over time because it's not printed. It's not fake. It comes from the earth. Okay. And I'm not suggesting that you go and telling you to go invest in gold. Do your own research and decide what for you what makes sense. But invest it in something. Get your money moving, guys. You got to do something with it. Buy a business. Maybe invest in precious metal. Maybe buy Bitcoin. Who knows? I'm not an expert in cryptocurrency. Don't begin to try to tell you that I am. I really don't understand that much about it. But I do understand this. It uh, It's very secure from what I'm told. And it is a it can potentially outpace inflation, right? I mean, if a Bitcoin goes from a thousand one day to 50,000 the next, yep, you could pretty much outpace inflation with those numbers. And I realize that it goes up and down and sideways. And every time uh, Elon Musk scratches his ass, the price of Bitcoin changes. I get all that. And the same thing to some degree happens with metals and the cost of real estate and everything else. But know this guys, if you're, if you've got a mattress full of us dollars sitting at home, you're going to be those people standing there after the Confederate war with a pocket full of useless, pretty paper. That's only worth something if you frame it and put it on the wall or sell it as a memento. So guys, it's, this is not avoidable. Okay. This, this is going to happen no matter what. So you can either sit there and take it and lose, or you can figure out a way to outpace it, to get in front of it. You're not going to go broke as long as you don't hoard cash. U.S. dollars, convert it to something else that spins off cash. Again, rental property. Hell, I don't even care if you rent it. Buy it and sit on it if need be. If that's your, if that tickles your fancy and you don't want to deal with tenants, do something with the cash. Convert it to something tangible, or in the case of cryptocurrency, maybe that's an intangible. But convert it to something, guys, that will keep your money, will preserve your wealth. Don't go out there and roll the dice and go to Las Vegas and, and, and don't try to get rich off precious metal because you'll get your, your you know what, handed to you. 
but go out there and put that money into put that 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 your dollars not it's not money but your wealth invest your wealth in something that makes sense do your independent research come up with the strategy that best makes sense for you that you and if you're married your spouse or your significant other can agree with and let it ride but don't sit there and hang on to these piles and piles of this u.s cash crap because it's gonna fall apart this debt limit guys is smoke and mirrors this debt limit is a big fat distraction they're gonna raise the debt limit now next year next month three months from now without a doubt okay so don't get excited about the debt limit get excited about the opportunities that you can do if you get your money working for you right away and you quit sitting on it this includes those of you sitting on your ira money doing nothing guys have a great week and we'll catch up with you next time this concludes today's episode you don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn head over to cashflowguys.com and contact tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race